Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge YouTube channel with Benji Nice. And this is the Movistar men's team preview for 2021. It's my birthday. I'm excited. Uh, it's Saturday at the uh, at about 9.40 p.m. And I've dragged Benji out of bed to do this preview, which a lot of people are very excited about. Uh, Movistar, Benji, I couldn't believe this. And when I asked you before we started recording, you, you were so far off. Uh, the other week when I said how many wins did Movistar get in 2020. Two wins in 2020 for Movistar. One before lockdown in Polenza, Pienza to Andrach with Marc Soler. The second win, that Vuelta stage, stage two, Marc Soler. So just two wins for this team, Benji. Uh, how, how does that is that the worst 2020 relative to the talent on the team for any of the teams we've done so far? I think so, yes, because we also saw two victories at Goffitas, but that's more explainable with just one rider that really didn't perform. But this team performed relatively decently when it comes to GCs, and it just doesn't have finishers on it, it seems. And the finishers that in the past, like Volvade, were extremely strong at gaining the victories for the team just didn't do it because, well, for Verde, we can't say that he's young anymore, but for Valverde, that has never really played a role the last few years, unless last year, because last year it did feel like he was finally reaching that somewhat of a breaking point, but then in the Vuelta, he started coming back in that one stage that we were like, oh my God, he's he's on the scene again, but a, uh, a pre-2020 uh, Valverde would have won that stage in the Vuelta, I would say. Yeah, all that's in all, not a good season. That's yeah. the big thing is Valverde. And for reference, they won 21 races in 2019. I know it was a condensed season. 2018, they won 25 races, quite a lot of those at world tour level, talking Catalonia, Paris-Nice, Tirreno, uh, Giro stage, Tour de Suisse, Tour de France, uh, Vuelta, a couple of stages from Valverde. So... 2020 was a very, very poor year for Movistar. They got fifth in both the Tour and the Vuelta with Enric Mas. I mean, maybe that's fine. I mean, it's, it's fine getting that fifth. I but, think that's uh, good, actually. Yeah, it's good. I just mean in terms of if I was a sponsor, now maybe maybe Movistar, the sponsor Movistar, are happy with that. Mm-hmm. For me, that's not really... Um, fifth in tour is good. The fifth in the Vuelta, less so. But sorry, I should have prefaced this with the structure. 2020 season review, you know it already. Then the transfers. Then we pick the monument and grand tour teams. Then we have our now infamous fan hot takes from the only Movistar fan in Poland later, Antek. And then we have our own predictions and hot takes at the end of this podcast. But yeah. What do you think? You said Valverde, Benji. I think that's part of it. But I looked at their previous wins. I mean, he wasn't cleaning up 10 of those 20, 12 of those 25 in previous years. Yes, he was absent because I think he he seemed like his training, he just wasn't on top form actually uh, coming out of lockdown. I don't actually think it was an age thing at all personally because he got better in the welter later on. But, yeah, just if we look at their team, Benji, I think it was – what you said, they just don't have, they didn't have, and we'll get to their transfers in a second, the finishes like Cataldo, Carlos Verona, Davide Vieira, Vilela, Vieira, struggling there, Jorge Arcas, Carlos Berenco, like he's gone to Pro Conti Conti back in, uh, in Colombia. Jorgensen's young, but he was look good. Nelson Oliveira's a worker. Pedrera's a worker. Jürgen Rolant's on the wrong side of it. Jose Joaquin Rojas, <laughs> a worker. Your favorite rider. It's just, I, I was like, two wins, not great. But then you look at the list of their the guys in their, their team. It just wasn't a, it's not a very good team, in my opinion. Or am I missing someone that underperformed? Uh, not really. I think that the whole team in itself kind of underperformed on paper because you've got Enric Mars. I think he was the rider on the team obviously that brought in the uh, Grand Tour results we know that that top five in the Grand Tours was certainly his belonging but the way they ride certain races has me doubting whether it's the right way to do it because at the uh, Giro they had the likes of Cedro Samiti and such 
at the start, he was going for GC and he ended up doing relatively decent in GC, I think, 13th. Why would you try and aim for a top 15? As Sergio Summit here, you're probably like, I want to try and go for GC. I'm young. I can see where I can get and definitely in a ground tour like the Giro. But as a team, that's not good enough, I think, for the rider it is. Samitier probably couldn't have thought about getting a top 15 before the Giro started. But when it comes to Movistar, they are expected to have more. And a rider like Samitier can get in breakaways, can also achieve stuff in breakaways. He's got a, a relatively good punch at the end of the stage. So someone like him, they could use differently than they did. And I think that counts for a lot of their riders for me personally. But like you say... I think Movistar's kind of in a in a struggle where they've got so many younger riders that aren't really bolstered into a certain way yet that they don't have them as finishers yet. A Caratero in the Giro of 2019, the one where Carapaz won, that was 2019. Yes, it was 2019. Whew, memory. Um, we had him be one of the best domestiques for Carapaz and Landa together with Pedrero in that Giro, and they were strong. They were hella strong, and Carretero was relatively strong at the Giro as well, but he could not finish it off, and he always came relatively close when he was in the breakaway. So, yeah, I think one of the riders that we saw in the Giro as well was Ana Rubio that started showing up, the guy that had Thomas de Gend on his, uh, on his, well, the other way around. That was on the wheel of Thomas de Gend for a long time, and then Thomas was like, no, 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 and uh, dropped back, so... Yeah, I think they've got a lot of talent. I think they've got a lot of youngsters that could do well in the future, but that haven't brought out their their wings yet and haven't flown into victory mode as yet. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of the struggle they're in. Well, and I think the, got, the big guy, yeah. Enric Maas, second in the Vuelta in 2018, maybe not the strongest Vuelta, He's got four pro wins. He hasn't won. I mean, they're all at world tour level. Well, two of them are in Guangxi. He hasn't won in Europe since that Vuelta stage 20 in 2018. And he's now gone from 24 to 26 years old in that period of time. So he's just one of the, he's like the Spanish version of Kelderman. Rigoberto. Yeah, Kelderman or Rigoberto Uran. Uh, Rigoberto Uran yeah. would be a good, that would be like his upside in my view. Uh, I don't see him winning a Grand Tour. He's not a guy that's going to win a lot of races. He's, got, he's never the best climber, even in the Vuelta. And he's never the best TT rider. And he's never got really good punch. He's just kind of solid, which is fine. But, yeah, I feel like, especially, especially in the Vuelta, um, as I said, fifth in the Tour de France is good. But the fifth in the Vuelta, it just seems like he's not – push to that next level. You think about all the team support that Mars had in the Vuelta and that Soler there, Valverde was still is still good. Like I tell you what, Education First would have been very happy if they'd had Valverde there to help Carthy alongside Woods. All Carthy had was Mike Woods pretty much in the mountains and he wasn't there for, for too long. Whereas Soler was there helping Enric Mars right at the end of the last stage, mountain stage from memory. And yet the talent rose to the top. Hugh Carthy coming third and Dan Martin coming fourth and Mus just missing out coming fifth. And I think for, for a rider to be really progressing and to, I mean, what Movistar would have wanted to see from him would be minimum, minimum podium. Yeah, Roglic, Carapaz, if you get beaten by them, fair enough. But you, you need to see him going for the podium if you're committing to have your team ride for him pretty much for three weeks, and that didn't really happen. Now, we bagged them, I think, justifiably for their 2020 season. Some of you might be surprised that they only won two races, but their transfers, I'm pretty I'm pretty high on. Um, and bear in mind, they lost – when did they lose Quintana? They went to RK Samzik. So they've progressively lost a fair few – uh, wins throughout the years from 2018, 19, 20. But their 2020 trans 2021 transfers, I really like. Out is Rolands, Betancourt, Edward Prades, and Eduardo Sepulveda. All of them have moved down to lower levels of cycling, or I'm not sure where Rolands has gone. And none of them were moving the needle at all for Movistar. So absolutely fine with letting them go. And they're signing, so I don't, 
I, I doubt Benji's going to disagree with me on that. And then their incoming riders, I rate three of them very, very highly. And I'm, I'm not sure the last two, I might need your input, Benji. But Miguel Angel Lopez, Superman Lopez from Astana to Movistar. Gregor Mulberger, the Austrian from Borahansgrohe to Movistar. Ivan Garcia Cortina from Bahrain, McLaren incoming now and Gonzalo Serrano and Abner Gonzalez from Caja Rural and Inteja Inca. So let's start with the, the difficult ones, Benji. Those two guys coming up from Conti and Pro Conti, do you have a, a read on them? Are they talented guys? Are they punchers, climbers, sprinters? Let's start with the rider that I see as the worst one of the two. That's Abner Gonzalez. He's uh, 20 and um, that's very young to go to World Tour as well like we've seen with a lot of riders so far. And he's the first one where I'm literally in doubt whether it was worth it to skip out on the U23 section. I don't know about the U23 scene in Puerto Rico where he's from or the regions that he raced in. He is used to riding the likes of uh, Tour of the Gila. He's also got to the Bulls and to the Guadalupe. And that last one is where he's got his better results, I would personally think. When it comes to... um. The young riders at that race, he was found on youth classification after two riders that also joined World Tour, and that is Pronsky and Fedorov, both at Astana now. So it looks like that top three has completely entered into World Tour right now. But quite genuinely, his time trial seems decent, but if you get second in the Caribbean Championships ITT, you get second behind Caden Hopkins. Well, I don't know Caden Hopkins, so... How did this guy get a contract? Am I missing something? (laughs) Is PCS missing 2020 results? I'm not being harsh, but I mean, but this guy didn't race a professional yeah. race in 2020. And I know there were cancellations, but even if you're on a Conti team, there should have been races in 2020 that you were doing. Um, maybe he had to just like batten down the hatches in Puerto Rico, but wow, to not to be on a Conti team that I, I must confess I've never heard of, to be racing in largely the Puerto Rican and um, Caribbean and American scene and not not the big – he's not done well at the big races. Like doing well at Utah and um, some of the other ones is quite good. He's not been doing that well there either. To skip a year think, yeah, um, and, then, and then go world tour, what, what, how has this happened? The reasons that Unzoe came on to him was because he ended up being – one of the better riders in the Spanish amateur scene just after COVID struck. Right. And okay. he ended up winning quite a bunch of stuff amateur-wise. So I think those amateur races in Spain are the races that Unzo is referring to as the races that he was yeah, entitled Maybe. to uh, join World Tour from. So we don't three- know the results there because it's hard to find those from amateur races. Three-year deal... I know he's 20. Maybe, hey, maybe he's got really good, like he's come out of lockdown. He's been training like an animal. He's back. He's over in Europe now. He's 20. He's improved a lot from 18 to 20, which would make complete sense. And he's testing really well and doing well in these amateur races that are probably quite competitive. And it's a really good signing. But, yeah, I don't really – there's other riders I would have signed. But on, on the flip side, Benji, Gonzalo, Gonzalo Serrano – he won a, a two-pro stage in 2020. He won stage two of Vuelta Andalusia, which is that a quite a good start list. I think he's a fantastic signing. It's, he must have been one of Caja Rural's best riders, right? Yes. Um, when it comes to Caja Rural, I think they've got a bunch of riders that are like on a similar level. The likes of Lostera, Aular, Aberasturi. They're all in different categories. Serrano was one of the better ones as well. And they're all kind of on the limit of not being good enough for World Tour. And some slip through and some do not slip through. And I think Serrano moved the needle by winning that Andalusia stage, getting good results at Matteotti and so forth. I think he's a good addition to the team, both as a domestique and in smaller races or breakaway stages, stuff like that. Because, yeah, I think he can do all at Movistar. I generally think it's a good transfer. I mean, the last Caja Rural rider I remember coming on, I, they usually bring one on each year in Movistar. I think uh, Luis Marsh and Sebastian Moore. But before that, it was uh, Jaime Rasson who got popped uh, and got a four-year ban, I think so. Um, but yeah, Gonzalo Serrano, is, he looks really solid. So I think he's a, a great little signing for them. Um, and if, you, if they throw him at enough, 
Spanish and Portuguese races at sort of uh, one pro, two pro, and just yeah, one one level. He, uh, I would expect him to pick up a win or two. Now the big signings are first off Gregor Mulberger. I got to admit that was one of the most surprised I've been for a signing. And I know they brought in a couple of the, well, Jorgensen's American, and then Norsgaard, the Danish, two big boys. And now they've brought in an Austrian into Movistar, Mulberger, who we both think, I think, I think he's very underrated, Benji. I think, I think he's better than Patrick Conrad and, uh, at, at Bora. And I think that's just a magic signing from them. Yeah, I think so as well. And he's really good at different kind of stuff all the same. He's pretty all round. He was one of the best domestiques in the Tour de France of 2019, in my opinion, in the last yeah. week. He uh, was very good for Buchmann there, just like the plus was for uh, Kreinswijk. Those two were like the um, the key people that rode up the, um, what was the one climb they did in the second last stage? Valtorin? Valtorin, yes. No. Uh, the stage at Vincenzo Nibali won. Yeah, yeah, Valtorin was Nibali. And then... Uh... Isaran, he was there with Deplus. Yeah, correct. The only other correct as well. Yes, and um, Mulberger is also, despite also being a great climber, he can also do cobble stuff. And yep. that's what I find curious as well. I think that I recall some interview where he said he also wanted to do cobble races, and that's why he also joined Movistar. But I can't find the article anymore. So I can't tell you if I just made that up in my mind in the last couple of weeks or if it's actually something that happened. But I believe that if you put him in the team together with one of the next transfers we'll talk about, Garcia Cortina, you can have a pretty cool team for those common races, but also for the hill stages because Mulberger can do really well there as well. So yeah, the guy can ride everything except for time trials or time he trials won- as well. I don't know. He won stage six in the Big Bang Tour in 2018 ahead of Welland, Stiebar, Van Baale, Schachman and Van Avermaet. Uh, pretty like not a like a mountainous stage at all if you just thought it, if you just had in your mind that he's some sort of mountain domestique this is a 45k an hour average stage maybe it had cobbles too and he yeah he beat he broke away from wellens and stebar and mambala so very versatile i remember at the sibiu tour coming out of lockdown one of the first races in romania one of my favorite races that's where bernal went ham on the transfagora sun climb one of the most beautiful climbs in the world back in like 2018 or 2017 maybe Mulberger and Conrad went there and Conrad was supposed to be the GC leader. Bora were obviously overpowered, but then there was a TT, Mountain TT, and um, Mulberger smashed Conrad. And then I think Mulberger set on another mountain stage, Mulberger set up an attack for Conrad. Conrad attacked, was going full, and then Mulberger caught back up to him, kind of like (laughs) <laughs> kind of like what Plapp and Port were doing, but it was even more impressive from Mulberger. And then I think he took the stage when they rode in together. So not the biggest race, but I think I think he's one of those riders, Benji, who you forget how good he is because they just don't get a lot of leadership opportunities themselves. And they and they're also often riding for riders who are not the best GC leaders. Like when Richie Port was sacrificing himself for Froome, the world noticed, right? Same with all the sky, same with Lander, they notice. But if you're doing it for Buchmann, sometimes if you're the plus doing it for Kreuzweig, maybe not everyone notices every little thing you do. Same with even Jan Palance earlier in the Tour de France this, uh, last year for Pagacha. So, yeah, I, I think he's, he's incredibly solid. Whatever they choose to do with him, I think if it's uh, – they haven't even – in this article, Benji, they haven't even mentioned what – Mulberger will do. I was reading a, a cycling news article from where they interviewed Nzue with their program. We'll get to their program shortly, but like I was just saying about him being underrated, uh, Mulberger, they don't even mention his targets. <laughs> when it's like, I think he he could be as good as Enric Maas. Honestly, is that crazy? Do you think Enric Maas is like clearly more talented than Mulberger as an all-round GC rider? I think that Maas is more talented, honestly. That is uh, my take on that. And I think that Milberger also said he wanted to focus on one-week races, if I'm reading this correctly. Dauphiné at Zulia, those one-week mountainous parkours is something he wants to get experience in and wants to be better at, but also the toughest one-day races. So that's curious. And he's going to try to help the leaders as much as he can in Grand Tours. So it seems like he's domestic in Grand Tours. We'll have opportunities outside of that. 
Yep. But anyway, I'm I'm very very high on him. He, that's one of my signings of the year. Obviously, them I, I'm not sure what they're paying him, so that factors in if they're overpaying or not. Then it's not as good a signing. But Mulberger, I think, is very very good. Second big signing before we get to the marquee marquee signing is Ivan Garcia Cortina. This makes a little bit more sense. Spanish rider. They're trying to build out their cobbled squad, which we'll get to when we pick their cobbled team uh, for the cobbles but Garcia Cortina won Paranese stage last year they've poached him from Bahrain McLaren he's 25 years old Mulberger's 26 they're going to slot him right into the classics as presumably their leader uh, again I think it's a great signing Benji I think so as well I think you had a, a good mind on what races he would ride right I remember you uh, you mentioned that a few uh, a few days ago He's doing E3, Harrell Becker, whatever it's called now, Saxobank Classic, uh, Flanders, Roubaix, Han Wevelgem. I don't see Omloop on his on his list to do, uh, but then I'd uh, then he probably won't do. Uh, he won't be doing Paris like he did last year, um, which is a bit strange, right? So they had him not doing Omloop last year either because they had him doing Paris, um, and yeah, he didn't do it. So a little bit. I mean, it makes sense if Byron McLaren weren't putting him in the races he thinks he's best at. But, yeah, I think he's he's got two pro wins now and I think he's going to be up there. He didn't look good in Hen Vavelthem and Bink Bank Tour after lockdown, I must admit. I was a little bit disappointed. I thought he was going to really progress. Uh, his best was an eighth in a Bink Bank Tour stage, but that was like a minute back uh, from the leaders. So do I think he'll win Flanders or Roubaix? No. But are they have Movistar shored up their big their weakest? Are they trying to shore up their weakest part of their team? Yes, and we'll get to them in a second. And Benji and I are going to have beef about who's going to be their leader on some of those cobbled races. Um, but now the big signing, the man who said, "What did he call them?" I don't know. He he, he said Mov- uh, Movistar was stupid or dogs or whatever. I can't remember back he when called they called them idiots, but I'm idiots. not sure about that. Called them yes, idiots. I think this is back in 2019 Vuelta when Movistar pulled in the crosswinds after Roglic and Co crashed, and Lopez and Roglic were caught behind. Lopez back on Astana then. Miguel Angel Superman Lopez moving from Astana to Movistar just because if there's not enough drama, Benji with Soler looking for more leadership, Paris winner, GC winner, Valverde. The old man on his way out looking for more W's, one of my favorite riders. Enric Mars trying to be their GC leader, all-round GC guy. They had the Colombian talent Quintana in, the Colombian-Spanish dynamic. I'm not sure it was working too much, and that's not just me intimating that. People have said that from both camps. They bring in Superman Lopez, another Colombian. Um, do you think it's going to be a disaster or is it an inspired move? I think it's an inspired move. I, I kind of like it. I don't know why. It's like joining the enemy from the past <laughs> to try and take down the uh, the ultimate enemy that they had. And I think it's a combination of riders that are not per se really opportunists of winning a Grand Tour because Lopez doesn't have the time trial for it. Moss has some kind of time trial, but it's not good enough to compete with the likes of uh, Roglic and Pogacar at the moment. And they're not as good as the climbers as those two riders, but that does mean you can't win a GC or something. It's just that Lopez is the kind of rider that is extremely good at certain points, but then on some other stage, he's got so much bad luck or he's got a flat tire on, on the last climb. I recall that in the Giro of 2019, a last climb where he had a flat tire and he lost three minutes for a GC. And then the one stage where he had to punch the, <laughs> the person at the side of the road because he made him crash all that stuff. Then he crashed in that mud section in the in the Vuelta stage 20 of, of 2019 as well. So yeah, the man doesn't have much luck. And I think uh, hopefully that changes for him while joining a different team. I think he's one of the better climbers out there at this very moment. And we also said that about Landa at Bahrain, but they're missing something. And with Landa's at time trial, with Lopez's at time trial as well, I still don't understand what Lopez did wrong in that mountain time trial in the tour because his Algarve time trial was flatter and I think he got a top three there and then on that second last time trial at the Tour de France well he got slaughtered to bits so 
something went wrong there. The man lost, well, I think he was on the podium before that time trial, and then he dropped yeah, to seventh yeah, or something. Yeah. So yeah, he was he was third. he was third, quite a bit ahead of uh, Port, and it was like three to one or two to one that Port was going to overtake him on GC. Lopez lost six minutes to Pogaccia. He came after who did he come after? Ben Hermans, Maxime Cheval. He came after riders who probably weren't even trying that hard. Like Quintana beat him in the TT, and Quintana wasn't even up there on GC. Healthy. Like just <laughs> that. Quintana was like seventeenth an hour back and Quintana beat Lopez who was battling for the podium. So something just, something went very, very wrong for him to come 45th in that TT. And another problem, Benji, is if there's a crosswind split, if there's a move on a rolly stage, you can bet your bottom dollar Lopez is going to get on the wrong side of that split. Um, He just has a knack for it. Same kind of, sometimes Port had that, he had that in the tour as well. Um, and yeah, kind of like George Bennett. Yep, and just bad luck. I think I think you might have already mentioned that the crash in the Giro stage one, ITT. He, he I think he's changing his hand position going into a corner, hits a bump, hurts himself really badly. So he just recovered from that crash, and he tested positive for COVID relatively recently. Our last I read about ten days ago, he was quarantining. So I don't know how symptomatic he, he is. And also the crash at the tour, <laughs> stage yeah. one. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That famous the crash when Jumbo Visma were trying to neutralize the race and Astana tried to attack on the descent. And he was lucky, actually, not to be more seriously hurt. I watched that crash back again the other yep. day at a different angle. He's on a one-year deal, Benji. Is this kind of like who is, who is the, who's the wide receiver that New England signed uh, for one year? Darrell, was it Revis? I think Belichick- Are you asking me? <laughs> yeah, I'm asking myself, trying to remind myself. They signed Revis, I think, for um, not a wide receiver, cornerback, for one year on a, like 16 mil or something. And they're like, we'll just try and get the most out of you, see how you go. And uh, we might extend you, we might not. And they didn't. I think it was older. I think Movistar are just going to be like, just, yeah, if you get if you get the race results, we'll extend you and your, your market value will be back where it should be. And... If you don't, <laughs> well, then we can just sign you maybe for less. But he's, he's 26. There was talk that he's like already peaked. I think that's completely wrong that he's already peaked and he's like already on the decline. I don't agree at all. Um, I think you look at Col de la Low stage, on his day, still absolutely world class on a hard climb up to altitude. Um, but yeah, they're sending him to the tour, Benji, with, with Enric Mars. But what what do you think? What do you think Movistar want to do with Lopez signing him? Is it to be a GC leader? Is it to be a co-threat with Mars at the tour? Is it to be a domestique for Mars? Is it to go stage hunting and Mars can look after himself? Um, which is maybe what I would. It's do. Uh, it's it's for a certain GC leader to get with Mars at the tour, and I look at it in the same way that a lot of the other transfers from other teams happen. They are all trying to build a stronger lead in their team, multiple co-leaders, so they can keep on attacking teams like Jumbo controlling the race. And I think that's their attempt to try and have more offense, to try and beat down that that team quality of Jumbo. But I don't think you're going to do it with Lopez and Miles because the climbers on Jumbo are, are better. Cuz is better, I think, in my opinion. And I think Kaz is more consistently better than Lopez, I'd say, because Lopez on Laws was the best climber in the world that day, in my opinion. And I think that the problem with Lopez, again, is that he's not consistent in that. And Kaz, neither. He also had very bad days. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of meh, meh. But I think that if you look at Jumbo, they've got so much quality that it's going to be really hard for a team like Movistar to, to beat down that quality. But if every single other team does that as well, and they've all got multiple leaders and they all can attack on Jumbo like that, then Jumbo is going to have more trouble with all these other teams having multiple leaders. So in some way, it's likely going to help, but they're sending him to the Tour de France. And we know his time trial at the Tour de France this year was horrible, 
we know that there's a lot of time trial kilometers. Yeah, I don't know. Send him to the Giro, man. Come on, Lopez. Huge mountains. Perfect. Giro. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I think I think it's, it's a good signing because, listen, we, we've done a lot of these team previews. We're looking down the lists and we're like, oh, who are they going to take? Who's going to be the leader at Basque Country, Catalonia, Tour de Suisse, Paris-Nice, Tireno-Adriatico, Criterium de Dauphiné? Cycling is not just about having one good leader for the Tour de France and it's pretty impressive in my view that they can they've signed a rider who they can send to a race like Tour de Suisse or Tirreno or Catalonia maybe not Catalonia um etc and be a proper GC contender and you'd be like he's probably gonna he might get on the podium here depending on how strong the field is and also you know, he's top five material at the Tour de France and he was in third for a very, very long time. So it just adds more depth in that sense, not just the co-leader aspect. So I think overall, we have to say, I think they're fantastic signings from Movistar. Don't know the financials at all, but they're three riders that are, and Serrano too that um, I would have picked up too if I was if I was them, particularly Mulberger is a, a nice out-of-the-box one. But going on to their column yeah. team, Benji, Something uh, probably their biggest improvement on paper, in my view, for 2021 is this cobbled team. Who's down? Norsgaard, the big Dane, TT guy, Nelson Oliveira, even Jorgensen, Cortina, Jorgensen, yep, obviously, Imanol, yep, Erviti as well, uh, maybe, but I think. This is where our disagreement is, Benji, and maybe we can talk about the Milano San Remo team as well. But um, I think I think Matteo Jorgensen is is where they should be. They should be having him as co-leader with Garcia Cortina. I don't think Garcia Cortina has shown anywhere near enough as maybe we think on the cobbles that he just deserves to have everybody ride for him. Um, like eighth at Bink Bank in a stage. Okay, fine, great, uh, and a nice Paranese stage. But Jorgensen's 21, came 17th in Milano San Remo in that big second group, no help. Um, 24th in Kerner, I think he's really talented and I think they should be really trying to progress him as a leader too. I agree. <laughs> no, that's not how this is supposed to work. I've convinced you, I guess. I've convinced you since right. the other week. Yeah, that's true. But also in general, uh, I think that Garcia Cortina has proved more than than Matteo Jorgensen. Yeah, for sure. I believe that when it comes to both of them being past the Poggio in the first group, somehow 10-man group makes it to the finish in Milano San Remo and they are with two riders in there, then they have to use Jorgensen for Garcia Cortina. Of course. Garcia because when it comes to the sprint. Punch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a great reduced punch sprinter. Yeah, in that form, I think that they should both give themselves a chance because Milano San Remo is the kind of race where you can have co-leaders because everybody else is going to take care of the work. Movistar won't be the team that needs to take care of the work there. You know that Wout Fenard is going to try and set up his launch, that Alaphilippe is going to try and set up his launch, that Van der Poel is going to try and win the race as well, that Sagan is going to try and win the race, and all those riders are going to take off everything. And if he can leech onto their wheel with both those two riders, just YOLO for themselves and then... After the Poggio, look at the race situation and see where you can get. Then I think you can have both as co-leaders at the start of that race. But I think there's other stuff as well that you can do. I think you can use the likes of a Mulberger to try and spice things up by attacking on the Poggio. Because Mulberger is good at hill races. I think that's going to be his main focus. Ardennes, I believe he can top 5 LBL, Gregor Mulberger. And yeah, perhaps that's a, a hot take already. But... I believe yeah, in it. He, did, he, he only DNF'd in it so far, I think. But Very, very spicy. I mean, <laughs> Jesus, DNF, DNF, 63rd. Um, <laughs> oh, 103rd. I believe. <laughs> Maybe he was running for Shuckman in the last couple of years. But, yeah, I, I agree know. with you. Milano San Remo, if we're pick, moving on to their team there, uh, Milano San Remo I would have, as you said, Garcia Cortina, if it comes down to reduce bunch sprint, has to be the guy. But Jorgensen should try and ride his own race. And if it does come down to it where they need someone to set, say, say Sagan's off the back 
for some reason, Wala Philippe, Wala whatever, who knows? Like, Chilek won this race, come on, like in 2013. Who knows what can happen? And Jorgensen's there with Garcia Cortina. Sure, you put the big guy on the front and say, hey, pull, keep those guys behind. Um, but I think, yeah, I'm really keen to see what Jorgensen can do in those races this year uh, and even stage hunting in races like Provence or whatever else he's doing. Uh, but going on to their Ardennes team, Benji, got Soler doing the Giro. So I think he might be on a very different program this year because he normally did Paris-Nice, I think. Uh, might still be doing Paris-Nice. But who would you have in as their Ardennes leader? You mentioned Mulberger. Um, Valverde, I, it still has to be Valverde for me. I just Yeah, you're right. You're right. I <laughs> forgot about him. Excuse <laughs> me. I forgot about Valverde. <laughs> Mate, he's the specter that is always Because, <laughs> like, Yeah, well, you're right. Over so many times, and it's been said for so many years, that, oh, maybe they'll write for someone else in the Ardennes. And then, and then it gets down to it, and it's just like, it's just Valverde left. And an attack goes, and the, the young guy who maybe was going to be good in the Ardennes <laughs> literally can't follow the attack, and it's just Valverde following, like, Shachman and co. But do you think... Do you think Valverde has any chance at a flesh Benji now against Alaphilippe, Hirschi, Woods, Kosnifua? Nope. I don't believe in flesh anymore. And I think that Alaphilippe and Hirschi are going to take a throne on that in the next couple of years. I I also feel like when it comes to Liège-Bastogne-Liège, it's become very hard for him, knowing the new parkour with the finish in Liège, because on the Côte d'Or, it was possible there. But I don't see it happening in Liège, because... You obviously got the hill before that, but Valverde has not shown in the last year that he's going to drop everybody on the hill beforehand for me. So, uh, yeah, I think we're gonna eh, we're gonna have a hard time for uh, Valverde to take those races home. I'm afraid. I uh, I just don't see it happening anymore. While I do support it, uh, I just don't see it happening. I think his focus is going to lie mainly on the Olympics, like we mentioned at the start, or did we mention it not yet? Not yet, right? but. I think he'll top 10 all of them, but as you, I actually, I agree. Like back in the day, in a reduced bunch at Amstel, what was the one that Kwiatkowski won, Benji? It was a big group at Amstel Gold. And Amstel. you maybe it was like 20, ugh, 2014 or 13? 2013. And like Valverde was still really competitive in that sprint. I think it was. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, but like, yeah, 2013 is a good example of an Amstel Gold race. Kreuziger won, fine, but he broke 2015, away. actually. But in, in 2013, Valverde still wins that bunch kick. He beats Garens Kwiatkowski, Gilbert in that bunch kick. 2015, Amstel Gold race, um, same thing. He comes second again, but he's beating Michael Matthews, Rui Costa, Greg Van Avond, Al Philippe in that sprint. Yes, he lose, loses Kwiatkowski, but Kwiatkowski is, uh, is goaded. So... I, I don't think I don't think he has that kick anymore where he can literally come top two in a group of twenty with uh like the Greg Van Avermarts and Michael Matthews of the world. I don't think he has that punch anymore. And what's a good example of that, Benji? I think the Vuelta is a couple of Vuelta stages or the stage with remember the stage with Mike Woods when they're on that break? It was this group of yes. them. And I think back in the day Valverde would have just torched those guys and he didn't. He he looked like he was sort of on, on their level or equal. Um, maybe they played it really well, but yeah, I just, Ardennes, they'll be consistent with Valverde, but the, I, I don't think he's on the level of the young guys anymore in terms of punch. Um, Big question. Uh, yep. He announces retirement at the end of the year again. He's, he's not he believes he's going to do it or not. Okay, he's not retiring. I um, I believe he will only retire if it's a full season without too many cancellations. If there's a little bit of cancellation, he's already going to be doubting it yeah. because it won't be a, a wonderful year to move out of the sport, I would say. And let's be honest, he's got nine years left if you look at David Rebelin, who's still rocking it on in Conti level. So I mean, if I was Movistar, I wouldn't want him to retire. Like, who else are they going <laughs> to... No, it's not like he's... I'd get it right if he's blocking the way for a young guy. Like, who is the young Mori Van Savanant, right? Say they had him <laughs> on this team, the quick step young guy in the Ardennes, and 
the way they structure and Valverde was like this dominating character, which I don't think he is, by the way, who was like, no, 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 screw your goals. We're running for me 100%. Um, I think Valverde is the type of guy who's like, I'm not going to really ride for you too much, but you do you. I don't expect you to do too much for me either, uh, at least the last couple of years. And they don't have a Van Savanant that I can see who can really fill that gap in the Ardennes. Um, so um, until that person turns up, then top 10s in every one of those races and maybe better is uh, is very good return from Valverde. But yeah, I don't think he's retiring. Um, moving on to their Giro team. Now, Benji already said that he thought Miguel Angel Lopez should have gone there. Sending Mark Soler, I presume, as a full going for GC completely, is that what you would have done, Benji, or what team would you have sent? Lopez is leader, and um, Soler not as leader. Um, over the last couple of years, Soler has always tried to worm his way into a GC position, and he semi got it in the Vuelta last year in the sense that there was a certain point where he was able to go for GC for himself. But I don't know. He ended up in the GC domestique role again after a few stages. So I think that... Worst IQ the- racer on just about for his talent. Like, <laughs> case in point, he, you know, it's like, for case in point is the Vuelta when he tried to bridge across and it might have been Erverti who bridged him across and they bridged across, then sat on the back of the breakaway, which they'd caught and made the move from a 30K. Yeah. And then there was the split with the Sunweb and maybe a couple of other guys on this short eight, like 600-meter climb. And Soler and Co. just sat at the back and then they missed this, the split. So it was all a waste of time. And there's other things maybe that he's done. Like in the Tour de France, he would just pull and attack and try and bridge incessantly. And I think Sharkman and Kamner was sitting on him like, thank you very much. So, yeah, Giro, do you think the longer climbs will suit him? I think the longer climbs will suit him. I think the problem with Soler is, like you say, that he's made such weird decisions in, in races that he's done. He often looks like he, he thinks he's Contador for like a minute or two and then he yeah. then he just blows up and then he's like, oh, fuck, I'm not Contador. Oh, bad. Oh, bad. And then he drops back. So I think that happened on that one Tour de France stage that he or she ended up winning in the end. So, uh, yeah, in the end, what a what a rider, but not a um, a GC leader for me. And perhaps they he can uh, prove it himself otherwise. But there's so many riders going to the Giro on paper that I don't I don't see him getting a top five. I don't see him yeah, top ten is gonna be max what he can get. I think at this at this Giro, and is that worth it for Movistar or top ten in a Grand Tour? No, no, and definitely not if you've got the likes of Lopez and Mas. Then you gotta send some one of those two to the Giro. Definitely if Lopez is just better at the Giro on paper. Yeah, can't wrap my head around it. I think Soler is actually not. I don't think he's good on those longer climbs. You look at the races he has done well at, medium mountain stages or Catalonia or the Paranese where he wasn't the best climber, even at Paranese. He was a sort of a medium mountain stage where he broke away from Simon Yates and beat him on GC in when he won Paranese GC in 2018. I think... Yeah, I agree completely. Miguel Angel Lopez, Giro, suits him down to a T, bit more altitude, I think. Parkour is still not released. We're nearly in February. But um, I don't know who they'll send around. Soler, uh, Carretero, Arcas, who else? I don't know. They haven't said where they're sending Mulberger. Now, if they send Mulberger as just a domestique for Soler, I don't think they will to Giro. But if they do, that's not very... uh, it's not what I would do. I'd probably send Carlos Verona, Samitier maybe, um, Vieira. But, yeah, I mean, maybe he's earned – I guess he's earned it, Benji. He's He's been working for Lo, um, Quintana, Valverde, and Mas for many years, even after winning Paranese GC. So maybe he's just like, give me a Grand Tour and not the Vuelta because Valverde is going to go there, give me the Giro because I don't deserve the tour leadership and that's just the gift they've given him. So I, I don't fault it on a human resources management level at least. Tour de France squad, they're sending Lopez and Mas. I would have sent, I would have sent Soler, Jorgensen, Garcia Cortina and... 
uh, who's the other lad? Enric Mas. <laughs> I nearly forgot him. Because I think it does quite suit Soler, some of these stages. They're not, there's some of these medium mountain stages masquerading as their hard mountain stages, which I don't think they are. Um, and I'd send Mulberger as well and just see maybe Mulberger could get a top 10 too if he does well in the TT, which I think he would. So, yeah, that's the team, the, the nucleus I would have sent. Who would you have sent, Benji? I think indeed Maz is the rider you sent to the Tour de France, knowing that he's a GC rider you have on the team that has the time trial capability. He's not a god at time trial, we know that, but he's had decent TTs in his life, and he's better at time trial than the likes of Lopez. That double combination of Lopez and your boy Maz could play well. I'm getting attacked by a fly. But um, all in all, I think that... How, how would it work? That is, how, does, how does it work? So I Muda, think that you've got... Muda Britannia. Eh, okay. How are they going to go there? Like, what do you, how do you think yeah. they're going to use uh, It's hard because in those earlier stages, you don't really have the, uh, the possibility of using the likes of Lopez. But the moment that the real mountain stages start, that's where it happens. And you don't have many mountain stages. We've spoken about it so much. But that Andorra stage, you can use all that mountain stage. You can try and put some pressure on other people. But the problem is if Jumbo is as good as they were in 2020, then you can't attack with the likes of Lopez and you can't attack with the likes of Moss. You're, you're kind of just in follow mode. So I think it's the only option they have, just trying. And that's that, that's the only thing they can really do. Because like, let's say Lopez does a Giro and also rides a Tour de France, which is not happening, but should have be happening. Then... Lopez has already done a Grand Tour, then Lopez can fall into a, a co-leader slash super domestique of necessary role during the Tour de France. And I think that will help him more than having a rider like Carretero be one of the better domestiques for, for Maas. Soler, after his Giro, I uh, think he only does the Vuelta, but yeah, it's probably a good idea to, to send Soler to the Vuelta, but all in all... In the Tour de France, if you want to go for something with Mars, you're going to need the best team you can get. And if you spend Soler also in the Giro, then it's going to be tough to form a really strong base around Enric Mars. So I think Mars is going to end in a similar situation that he did in 2020, where he's in follow mode throughout most of the Grand Tour, and his race is going to be decided by the other teams in the race and not by the team that he's in, which often leads to the results you don't want to have, which... On paper, top five in the in the Tour de France was they good the, for him. They won, they won the team's classification, so maybe they... <laughs> I think that's that's exactly what they're setting themselves up for. Mulberger, Lopez, Mast, yeah. they're probably all going to be top 10 or top 12. And <laughs> like they're probably going to win the team's classification again. And but they're yeah. not really going to knock on the door for like actually competing in GC, really. I mean, it'd be the illusion that they are, but... I would have. I really like when teams also send a stage-winning option or say, "Listen, Enric, doesn't matter if you're following Micah or Mulberger or Coos or Lopez. Just follow them, and we'll go stage hunt with one of the other talented guys in the medium mountains. And we'll also, who, who by the way, can also link up with you if you attack, and also send a, a reduced bunch sprinter like Garcia Cortina. But they don't. I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, maybe they will send Ana Rubio and Brakes maybe in, in the Andorra stage. I'm not sure. Vuelta, it, it, the team picks itself. I'll tell you now. Erviti, Valverde, Soler, Mas, Lopez. So all four of the big guns are going to the Vuelta. I think they have to send Garcia Cortina as well, Benji, don't they? Like, surely he would. Yeah, some of the, like, A, just so you have all the big names in, the, in that one team at the same race, but also, like, the, the finishes really suit him. Yeah, the finishes do suit him, and, like, we know that the Vuelta is often the, the hilly finishes, the small punchy finishes, and Garcia can clear that can clear that up, Garcia Cortina, and I, uh, I also think that outside of the opportunities he gets in those stages, he can be a, a pretty good domestique as well. If in the other stage he can he can try and help out the team as well. So I don't think his strengths only limit himself to being a finisher on those hill stages. I think he can also really be surrounding help for the uh, GC leader that is in question there. Because yeah, with four riders at the start, 
going for GC, then likely <laughs> it's going to fall onto the shoulders of Maz again, I would say. Lopez perhaps as well. So those two riders. And if you go there with those two riders already having done the Tour de France, I'm really curious if they can both do the double because the double is often hard. That's what, yeah, is in the concept of the fact that people that are young and are young GC riders don't necessarily go for double Grand Tours after each other yet. And now they're sending their two best GC riders to the double that is the most dangerous one in the season, I think, next to the Giro Tour combination, which is the Tour Velta. And if you have those two doing Tour Velta, Soler doing Giro Velta, then I'm really curious to see... Yeah, Valverde Olympics Velta. Then I'm curious to see who comes out on top from that four-man team. But my guess would be uh, Enric Maas once again, in all honesty. Five, six, seven, eight on GC at the Vuelta Espana. Could be could be happening. I hope not. I, sometimes I quite like all my stuff do during the race, but just the way they seem to set the team up, I don't really – yeah, I just don't agree with it sometimes. Now, getting I would on- never want to be – I would never want to be a youngster – a young GC rider on Movistar because in other teams you get the opportunity during the Vuelta to try and spread your wings for the first time and try and go for GC for the first time. But with Movistar, you're never going to get that opportunity because, yeah, the Tour of Spain, the Vuelta of, of, of their own country is obviously mattering a lot for that team. So they're going to send their best guys over there as well. And if they do that, a rider like Juan Diego Alba and Aina Rubio, the riders that were really good at that Giro U23 two, three years ago, those riders who would have already had an opportunity for GC in other teams are now not having that. We see it with Astana. Harold Tejada is now leader at the Giro. In a team like Movistar, a youngster will not get that opportunity very easily. And I think that's a real problem for their future when it comes to GC leaders. I think that's also why... The big guns like, uh, I don't even know at this point, but like big young riders that are talented and are extrapolating into a GC rider in the future, then, yeah, then I wouldn't sign for Movistar just for that reason only, because the opportunities lie solely in the one-week races on which you've also got plenty of leaders to to help out on. So I think they're kind of uh, blocked there when it comes to getting new talent that is really strong for those for those GC races in the future. Well, their only big win, the Welter stage, came from Marc Soler, almost defying team orders and attacking on a descent when no one, including his team, seemed to expect it and just no one decided to chase him back. I do think the guys in the car, I know it sounds harsh, but and we're just seeing, no problem. Snippets, we, we're just seeing snippets from the documentary. They, they're not good. They really, they're like, it's some that's the sort of thing you'd expect watching like a under 12s soccer team with one of the dads coaching in in you know community soccer or something or football because just screaming like show them your balls all the time like are you kidding me and just not like nonsense and like multiple people screaming into the mic the the team radio handing it to Nzue and back they're disagreeing with each other over the team radio it's just oh just a, Bit of a shit show sometimes. So no wonder Lander and Co would pull out the old earpiece when they're break, when they're trying to ride their own pace up a climb. I don't blame them. But now onto the hot takes in a second. But before that, here is Antec, uh, one of the finest young men I know, with his predictions or hot takes as a Movistar super fan for their 2021 season. Hi Benji, my name is Antek, I'm from Lanter's Discord. Movistar predictions for next season are pretty simple. Their season will be better than last year, because last year was shit. Apart from us doing well at both Tour and La Vuelta, Ivan Garcia Cortina will win at least three, three races. They will have two top fives in GC in Grand Tours, thanks, thanks to Mas and their new signing, Superman Angel Lopez. Valverde will win one race in his last season of his too long career. To do it, he will have to race every Spanish race there is. And of course, the biggest child with an earring, Mark Soler, will show Movistar tactics at its finest. That's all. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed those hot takes from Antec. Not sure how many of them will actually come to fruition. But sorry, before the hot takes, prediction for wins, Benji. I'm going to put the over-under at 14 wins. 
14 wins. So not two, not the 2025 from previous years, but 14. Under. Okay. I don't believe in the finishing quality of their team. And I think they're going to have a lot of like third, four, fifth, six, seven, eighth throughout the season. But winning is not really in the nature of this team, I would guess. It is also not going to help that a lot of these Spanish Conti races are being postponed and cancelled already. So I think that's also something I'm trying to factor in, that the races that they could get easy wins, it's not going to happen too easily. So yeah, under for me. Me as well, under probably like 10 or 11, I'd expect. But yeah, like Valenciana's already postponed or suspended. To me, that says cancelled. You can't just have every race put back in May. No one will turn up. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of these races where they'd maybe clean up wins previously, like look at Valverde's, Palmares, they're not going to. And then, as you said, the finishing is just not there. Even if they do get in a break, the riders just aren't quite good enough. Like Rubio just got beaten by Ganner in that Giro stage, Semitier, etc. cetera. Uh, who else? Caratero. Like just not quite good enough to actually even if they'll get like fourth or something. Um, but, yeah, what are our hot takes Benji, um, I'm going to put you on the spot first. It can be a negative hot take too. It doesn't have to be a race win. It can be like a negative one. I think I'm going to start with two relatively positive ones. And I think they're relatively hot takes, I think. Uh, they're also pretty calculated ones. It's it's going to be you judging again whether it's a hot take or not. But I said <laughs> already, top five for a hill stage in the Ardennes Mulberger. I believe in that opportunity. That's so any, one of so my, any, you mean any of Amstel, Flesh, or Liège? You'll come top five in one of them? Yes, likely the last one, I'm guessing. Likely yep. Liège. I see yep. more opportunities in the likes of Liège. Okay. And the second That's one is something that. similar. Johan Jakobs is going to top 10 one of the two races in the opening weekend. And um, I completely believe in that opportunity. He got 27 and 34 of last year. He got 16 when he had I think that Johan Jakobs is one of the riders on Movistar that we're, we're not really focusing on too much. 23 and doing really well on these kind of cobbly races. Here are batting 32nd. Always like, always in the group behind the elite. Second in And if he can make that jump. Really? I didn't yeah. even know that. So, uh, back in 2019. Very talented rider. Would he ride Paris Bay for the first time this year then? Yes. Yeah. And if that's the case, then. Fuck it. Top 10 in Paris-Roubaix. Oh, now that's a hot take. That's, that's, yeah. that's, this is good. We're finally getting some hot takes out of Benji, who he likes to be the mediator, <laughs> but that's a hot take. Johan Jakobs. Okay, I'm going with a similar one. Matteo Jorgensen, top 10 in the Monument, be that MSR, Flanders, or Roubaix. Um, it's a bit less hot than Benji's. And I think... Gregor Mulberger. Oh, my voice just cracked very badly. You wouldn't think it's my birthday. Sounds like I'm turning 12 years old. Um, I think Mulberger is going to... I think he is going to win a one-week world tour race. GC. Okay, good. (laughs) That's that's a hot take, but I, I believe... It's, I believe. I, I guess the opportunity. It's gonna be tough, though. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be tough mainly because his team might not let him do it. But I think he. <laughs> I don't know what his program is, but yeah, that's my hot take. In Maybe, the fourth tour de Polonia. <laughs> if he does Catalonia, if he does Catalonia, you know, he could he could be going pretty well there. Honestly, depends who turns up. But yeah, I think the problem with Catalonia is there might be like one of uh, like Bernal or Pogacar or Thomas. <laughs> But yeah, that, that's More my competition. Tour Guangxi counts, by the way. Okay, that makes it a round hour. That's the Movistar preview. I think we quite. I think we were quite positive, actually. I'm very. The thing I'm most excited about is their cobble team. Honestly, it's very. I think it's the most talented young cobble team just about on the market with Jakobs, Jorgensen, Garcia, Cortina, and Co. I'm very excited to see how they go. And Norsgaard. But what, what were you going to say, Benji? Are you not interested in doing a hot take about Abner Gonzalez, like getting a win in 2021? Come on. We have to do it. No, he's not. I'm going to do it otherwise. Imagine if he's like the next Remco and Yunzue just. (laughs) And we just shit on this. But 
my hot take is that that guy is um well i mean i don't know it's not a hot take it's a cold take i don't think he's very good <laughs> like you can have a hot take <laughs> if you want um i think my my negative hot take is uh that Enric Mas just Enric Mas won't come better than top five in in either of the Vuelta or the Tour, and it'll just be anonymity once again. And I think it he might even not be in top ten in 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 one of those two as well. Um, so yeah, and Valverde he wants to go for the Olympics. Yeah, I love Valverde, but I think he's also he's struggling as well. But yeah, sorry Benji, that's uh, what's your Abner Gonzalez hot take. He's going to win a race. That's so stupid. That's a hot take. You're just trying to troll me. <laughs> race. What, if it man? happens, come a on. Professional race. A professional race, yeah. Just a race. Well, no, because he's doing Spanish crits in an industrial park or something, and that's why he's been signed and he's been winning them, so they don't count. I mean, now you made me go over an hour. You're talking about Abner Gonzalez. Someone marked that down on the spreadsheet. That's the hottest take so far to win a professional race. He's probably going to win like 10 now. But that's all from us at Lancho Recycling Podcast. And that Movistar preview, we will see you shortly, probably tomorrow, with our next one. Thanks for listening. Ciao.